The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. Excited for the final Mock Draft Monday of 2020. I think. Maybe we'll do a 2021 Mock Draft Monday next Monday. Probably not. We'll grade the draft. The draft is this week. Make sure and watch CBS Sports HQ. Uh, if you like the Pick 6 Podcast and you want to support us, we are doing our show. We've been doing it every day, 4 to 5 Eastern on CBS Sports HQ, but... I believe we'll be doing an hour pregame show for the draft. Uh, so 7 to 8 p.m. on Thursday, 6 to 7 p.m. on Friday, and then ugh, 11 a.m. to noon on Saturday. If you like the podcast, if you if you like us uh, or even remotely like us, please feel free to support us by watching. I'll be tweeting it out. Um, we're going to be doing a live mock draft today, um, making picks like it's – like we're Roger Goodell in, in a basement. Uh, four guys on it. It's me. It's Ryan Wilson, Josh Edwards, and RJ White. Hello, guys. What's up? <laughs> you hey. see, Ryan, that's how you I, do it. RJ hey, says, what's up? Friends, how's that? Josh, how are we doing? Doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. It's uh, getting ready to pour here, so I'm glad that uh, the neighbor's getting a solid mow in. <laughs> We can't hear it. Uh, what kind of beer are you drinking there, Josh? So this is Northern Lights IPA from the Star Hill Brewery in Virginia. Yeah, very good. That's a good beer. Yeah, pretty good. I've got a uh, Noda Hop Drop and Roll. It was a, um, let's see, where was it? It was a uh, award-winning, won some award for being a really good IPA. It's out of Charlotte, and they've just started coming up to Raleigh. If you can find this, I highly recommend it. It is a, I think it's actually a double IPA, but it is a uh, robust. By the way, I saw someone tweeted at you about going to the uh, Andrew ABC store. I tweeted back, you didn't even respond. But that was pretty rude. I said, if you're in Andrew, North Carolina, just go down the road to Blue's Creek and stand, get your picture next to the Homer Ryan Wilson sign. Well, what, what was your address there? I'm sure you know it, right? Oh, that's a good question. Golly, I can't remember. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a whole damn. We lived in uh, two places there, one next to the pool and then one on the way to Coates. <laughs> on the way to Coates? Coast North Carolina. Coast is uh, oh, like, oh, oh, yeah. And I was like, I was like, is that a store? I've never even heard of that. No. It's a uh, next time, uh, <laughs> I can't wait to explain to my wife that when we're going to Fayetteville to see my in-laws, that we have we need to take 401 this time. There you go. Through Angiers to go by a liquor store. 
I'm sure that'll go over. Andrew, 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 Andrew whatever. You don't want to stick out like some, uh, uh, what's that, what's that stupid shirt you wear that all the hippie, the, uh, preppies wear? Vineyard Vines. You don't want to stand out like a Vineyard Vines, uh, yacht club guy. Yeah, but that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll wear a dirty t-shirt. Well, just say Andrew's what I mean. Don't say, hey, is this Angier? Angier? Where's I'm the- looking for your finest bourbon. <laughs> um, okay. This podcast is already just a disaster. Uh, if you want to listen to a different one in the feed, make sure and check it out. Uh, we have some classic games that we broke down. Rich Gannon made him do, uh, made him talk to me for 30 minutes about the tuck rule game. I'm sure that was awesome for him. Um, <laughs> hey, Rich, you want to relive your lowest professional moment for 30 minutes with uh, Will Brinson on the Pick 6 podcast? Yeah, sounds great, guys. Uh, Rich was actually awesome and very accommodating. Trent Green broke down a bunch of classic Colts-Pats games. We're running these classic games on CBS Sports Network. Trent Green, was that was an awesome conversation. And then uh, Brady Quinn and BMAC, Brian McFadden, uh, talked about the T- Tim Tebow beating the Steelers in the playoffs. <laughs> BMAC's final game of his career. So really doing a great job uh, lining up these guests to talk about fun events for them. Wait, it wasn't BMAC's final game, was it? Yeah, he retired after 2011. Oh, that was a 2011 season. Yeah. Good gracious. Yeah, yeah long, I mean, that was, I remember, I remember watching that game like it was yesterday, but man. Yeah, you were spending a lot of it making fun of me. Probably. We were still podcasting back then. Been doing this for a long time, Ryan. Uh, we will have, uh, five star review mailbag questions. We have a draft mailbag before. Uh, the draft kicks off, so if you want to leave a five-star review, now would be the time to do it. Uh, of course, we will keep talking about all the draft rumors. We will have a draft gambling preview with all the props. I've gotten some questions about those. Um, so if you have props that you, if you have like a list of props that you want us to take a look at, let me know. I will happily break them down on the podcast for you. Um, if you if you want to drop that in the review, that'd be great. Uh, you can also DM me on Twitter. For some stupid reason, I still have my DMs open. Um, we got some prospect interviews coming up as well. And then, of course, we will uh, react and uh, do winners and losers uh, after the draft Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So make sure and get, you know, we'll check your feed because as soon as the, you know, as soon as the draft ends, we'll get that thing fired up. Um, we are going to make these picks. And, uh, Debo has in the rundown that I should briefly explain the pick system. I don't know what the pick system is. So Debo, you're the commissioner for this draft. What's the pick system? Uh, RJ, I'm going to pass it right off. RJ, help us out. Yeah. So what we did is we tried to give each person eight first round picks, but keep the same teams. So if you wanted to trade up, if you're Miami, you know, you didn't have a situation where somebody has the number five pick for Miami and somebody else has the 18 pick because that wouldn't make sense trying to make a deal. Um, so yeah, so it's just basically trying to keep everybody picking within a, a group of four, you know, at least one, one person gets, everybody gets a one through four pick, everyone gets a five through eight pick, that kind of thing. And then just, you know, chopping the teams up. So we all have the same teams throughout the uh, first round. And we have made the picks ahead of time, but we will act like this is a live mock. So, uh, get excited for it. Um, shall we? Let's. Let's. We uh, Debo, are you going to say on the clock first, or, you, or should I say I'm on the clock and then you announce the pick? What do you want to do? I'll, I'll just announce it. We couldn't find that uh, parrot that made the picks from a couple years ago, so uh, I'm the next best option, I guess. Um, <laughs> but with the first overall pick in the 2020 Pick 6 virtual mock live draft, the Cincinnati Catch Bengals, <laughs> a.k.a. Will Brinson, select Joe Burrow, quarterback, LSU. Uh, do you think Roger Goodell's family will boo him on the uh, on 
like if if he has any sense of humor, he needs to bring his kids down to the basement and have them just be like, oh, dad, boo. Does he have young kids? I don't know. He's he's a little over. He's, he's older than me. Do you think he would arrange that, or do you think it just happened naturally? Like, do his kids <laughs> just walk around booing him just in general? Like right. That's, that's a typical <laughs> Thursday night for Roger Goodell. Um, let's see. He has two children, and I don't know how. Let's see. Huh. I didn't know he married a uh, former. I didn't know his uh, wife was a uh, Fox News anchor. Oh, twin daughters born in two thousand and one. So yeah. perfect. Oh, fuck! Come on, like eighteen or nineteen-year-old daughters just relentlessly booing their father on national television is perfect. Nope. Okay. I'm the only one who likes the idea. I see. I, yeah, that's <laughs> a great idea. All right. It's a great. This is great. Joe Burrow to the Bengals analysis. I appreciate it. Well, I mean, like this Burrow thing is just, it's, I mean, let's get on with it. And there, you know, it's interesting. I thought the thing you keep hearing is like that the Bengals might've already given him the playbook or like, yeah, Daner tweeted about I'll get my buddy, Paul Daner from the inquirer said you, it would, it would be silly to think that they're not already discussing. And I think part of the, the way he framed it, because I went back and read the tweet, I didn't want to put words in his mouth. Um, all the 30 visits they're allowed to have via Skype and the meetings elsewhere um, before, um, even before the, the quarantine, I think they spent a lot of time talking about the Bengals playbook to get an idea of how he would sort of respond to it. And uh, so I think that's it. I don't think they've literally given him the playbook, so I don't want to get Dana in trouble if I'm making up stuff for him. Yeah, I mean, they, they can't give him the playbook. That would be a clear violation of the CBA. But they can have detailed uh, schematic discussions with uh, Joe Burrow about how the offense would potentially operate during their interview. There's nothing wrong with that. That's I, like, if you have 30 minutes or an hour or whatever it is, they ain't talking about Joe Burrow's upbringing and why he's the way he is. They're talking about X's and O's. And I think that was the thrust of the, of the tweet. Yeah, but it seemed, I guess my point was it seemed like it was more – they're not like trying to figure out if they should take him based on X's and O's. They are trying to get him X's and O's information to get him ahead of the curve right. uh, since they are going to take him. So, I mean, they, this is this is a slam dunk, right? I mean, it's it's it's, it's a no-brainer. Slam dunk. If there was going to be a trade, it would have happened by this point. So, slam dunk, Bengals taking Burrow. Move, move right. on to the next one. Okay, I, I am curious. Where does Burrow rank for you guys in terms of um, – like the prospects of the last three or four years, I, I would put him number one. I would put him Whoa. better than better than Baker, better than uh, Darnold, um, better Whoa. than anyone else you want to throw out there. Um, you know, it might be might be best since luck. Um, it's just he 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 has all the tools that you want. Uh, we'll see how successful he can be in this system. Zach Taylor's still very unproven. You know, he was a Sean McVay acolyte, but he hasn't really done, proven anything on his own. So we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, he kind of has the feel of a guy that's going to have success no matter where he lands. Now, you put him in the right system, that's the, that's the difference between, you know, a Super Bowl or seven, eight, nine wins. But I think he can carry an offense to, to that level of success if he has to. So knowing what you know now, RJ, for the next five years, are you taking Joe Burrow? Which is their number one guy, or Lamar Jackson? Um, Lamar, but you know we're talking about coming out as prospects. You know, I liked Lamar coming in that draft. I think I had him mocked in the sixteen seventeen range. I might have even had a, a team trading up to get him in that in that range that year. But you know, as far as prospects go, Burroughs seems to be a much more complete prospect. And part of the reason Lamar is so successful is the guys he landed with. You know, I I don't know that he would have been MVP level good on let's say 28 other teams, 29 other teams maybe, but he just happened to land with a great coaching staff that knows how to scheme and get the best out of all the guys that they have. So I think that's kind of the thing you have to build into the system. Mahomes, on the other hand, you know, he probably would have been good no matter what, where he went, 
but I don't know that he's as good as he is now with Andy Reid, that we could be talking about him top 10 all time when it's all said and over. Anybody taking Joe Burrow over to Lamar for the last five years? For the next five years? Over the last, knowing what you know now, based on the draft classes you were mentioning before, the last three or four years? Like, I mean, I get, I mean, yeah, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't have, you would have slotted, like RJ said, you would slot Burrow higher than Lamar. I'm just asking, would anyone take Burrow knowing what you know now? All right. Lamar is just unanimous MVP. I'm just asking because I felt like it was something worth asking. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. You're the guy that just took Joe Burrow, by the way. Now, I mean, it is a discussion to have. Now, let's say Lamar Jackson is a free agent, and the Bengals can either have him or they could take Joe Burrow. Now, you take Lamar Jackson in that system, you know, with Zach Taylor, or would you take Joe Burrow? I think that's a conversation we need to have because I don't know that Lamar Jackson has as much success in Cincinnati's offense as he had with Baltimore's. Maybe that's what Ryan was trying to say. Whatever. I mean, that's on Zach uh, Taylor. That's on him if he can't figure out how to use Lamar Jackson. Though. Right. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, moving on. Who is uh, Debo? Second overall pick, the Washington Redskins and Ryan Wilson select Chase Young, Edge, Ohio State. Is uh, Ryan, is now a good time to point out that I had Chase Young going number two overall in my April 2019 look ahead, 12-month look ahead mock draft. I am a genius. Thank you. No, it's not. But it is time to point out that uh, some moron wanted to buy the team from underneath me and draft Tua Tonga by low with the number two pick, and I refused to sell it. That was also you, by the way. I <laughs> that this time? Not this time. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a slam dunk. I mean, come on. Joe Burrow's a slam dunk. Chase Young's a slam dunk. Unless you're trading down, it doesn't look anyone's going to trade up. And I think, actually, the market for trade-ups is going gonna, is gonna to dry up. I don't think there are going to be people trading up um, for various reasons. And maybe that's smoke screens, and I'm, I'm buying into it, but... If you're Ron Rivera, don't. It's easy, man. Just take Chase Young and make the team better. But here, here's the counter to that. Like, so it seems like the speculation is some of these smart teams are going to want to trade 2020 picks for 2021 picks, where they can do their normal work on prospects and feel better going into the draft about who they have. So if you're devaluing 2020 picks to that point, wouldn't you be more likely to to trade those picks to get up for a particular guy you like if there is the one guy? Because let's say that if you're the um the Dolphins and you have like you know you can trade 39 and 70 to get to to get to from five to two or or three or whatever, like 39 and 70, you're not going to feel as comfortable as you would next year with those picks. It kind of devalues those picks, so the trade chart becomes a little bit, you know, uh, hypothetical in this point to where this you got to treat this draft a little different than you would another draft. Yeah, I mean, the only issue is uh, to us, and I've said if you're the Dolphins and you're fine with two, a draft them, don't have any concerns. But I just I don't know, like once you, I don't know if the Lions going to have a lot of business coming their way because um, the Dolphins can stay put, and if the Chargers love Tua, for example. They can trip to four if Dave Gettleman's interested in doing that. And then Matt Patricia's left there holding, you know, holding, you know, his thing with Jagger there. So I think what the Dolphins are doing with all this stupid smoke screening stuff, it's like so transparent, is they're saying that I think they've embedded themselves and they're saying, all right, we're going to sit at five and we are going to just take Tua when he comes to us. We don't think the Redskins are going to trade. Um, and I think if the Redskins trade out of two with somebody, I think they do it before the draft. Because, like, are you really going to do that while you're on the clock, like dealing with Dan Snyder and Kyle Smith and Ron Rivera and then three other power brokers from the, the other franchise is trying to move up? Like, I mean, if all somebody's – locations. If, yeah, all the different – like, if somebody – like, you got a six-person Zoom call. you got two Zoom calls. Like, you're, like you're talking to your boss. You're talking to your – the guy – like, you're negotiating with your, your own team. Then you got to negotiate with the other team. Like, if you're at two, 
You put out feelers and say, listen, we'll do a trade before the draft. Now, conversely, the Lions, you won't see a trade at three until they're actually on the clock because they can't no one's going to trade to three without knowing what, you know, what happens at two. Um, I just think the Dolphins are going to try and call, are going to try and like, they're trying to bluff it into where they can stay at five and just take two of there. Thoughts, Josh? No, I think I'm with you. I think all of this Tua stuff is misdirection. Um, you know, it, it, it all seems so coincidental that it's coming out of Miami, but at the same time, I think we are kind of subconsciously buying into it because we're talking about the trade market drying up. We're talking about possibly Miami sitting there at number five, not having to trade up to get possibly their quarterback of choice. So whether we say we're buying into it or not, I think subconsciously it's kind of working. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, Ryan like hates Tua now. He loved Tua. A week. No, out of here. Um, but anyway, I just think the Redskins are going to take Chase Young now. I just don't think they're messing around with it. I think – they would like to trade down to five for for an extra first round pick or maybe two, but um, they don't. I, I just don't think they want to deal with it. I don't think the Dolphins are willing to pay uh, to get up there. So let's go to number three. With the third overall pick, the Detroit Lions and Josh Edwards select Jeff Okuda, cornerback, Ohio State. Yeah. So the conversation started with, "Am I going to get a call from Miami so they could possibly move up to take a quarterback?" As we just discussed, those conversations are not really taking place right now. So um, I stuck where I was. I took the best player on my board, which was Jeff Okuda, the cornerback from Ohio State. I feel like he's able to step in immediately, um, replace Darius Slay, who, of course, they traded this offseason. Everybody's saying that if you, get rid of, if you get rid of Slay, you bring in Okuda, you're not making your team better this year. Yeah, you're not really making your team better this year, but you're shedding some cap space, which gives you some more flexibility in the future. And the idea is that Akuda is going to develop and become a better player than what we've seen from Darius Slice. So this is not a short-term pick that I'm making. This is this is an invested pick to improve my team for the long term. I think he's the ideal situation that's going to be able to step in and give me the best chance to compete this coming season. So let me ask you something, Josh. Um, it seems like the cornerback class, there's going to be a lot of value and a lot of picks off the board in that 20 to 40 range at cornerbacks when you're talking about A.J. Terrell, Jalen Johnson, Trayvon Diggs, you know, Christian Fulton, just throw all the names out, Igbenogany. Um, is that a consideration you make if you're Detroit? You're saying, hey, I can come and I can get a good cornerback in top of round two. Maybe I should get a, a player at a harder-to-get position at number three. Um, you know, Isaiah Simmons, you know, is kind of positionless. He can do it all. But um, I think that's the one guy that maybe they pass on Akuda for, especially if they are, are comfortable with a guy like Igbenogany or Jalen Johnson. Absolutely. I think you have to have that kind of a discussion. Um, there's a lot of linebackers that I like, possibly there at the top of the second round as well, but – like you mentioned, that's kind of the sweet spot for these, this cornerback class. I'm not as com- uh, confident in this cornerback class as a lot of people are. Uh, so for me, I felt like the gamble on Akuda was a little bit more enticing than possibly taking Isaiah Simmons because um, I may not have the most faith in my coaching staff and their ability to bring that out of him this coming season. So uh, for me, I felt like Akuda was more of the known commodity He's going to be able to step in right away and contribute to that secondary, which has kind of been decimated in recent years. I mean, they've got to get a guy that's going to come in and make an impact because you get rid of Quandre Diggs, you get rid of Darius Slay. They need to have a new face in that secondary, and Akuda, I think, is a guy that's not only going to bring a lot of talent, but he's going to help rebuild that secondary. He's a guy that 
is going to set the tone on the edge for that defense. So I feel pretty confident in my pick. There was uh, there was some buzz in league circles about the uh, the Dolphins GM in this Pick Six podcast mock draft uh, being a lazy layabout. Did uh, did he call you at all when the Lions were on the clock? <laughs> yeah, so uh, that also Josh happens to be me. So I'm uh, I would be dunking on myself in this particular instance. <laughs> no, I felt like. You know, and I, I don't want to give too much away. You know, maybe we've got some calls that we're making at this point in time, trying to gauge the trade market. We felt like what Detroit wanted for that third overall pick was a little bit too rich for our blood. Um, we're very confident in the depth of this class. We want to be able to take a number of shots to make this a more successful season for us because we do feel like we've made strides this offseason. So we wanted to retain as many picks as we possibly could to have more bites at the apple and we felt like Detroit was just simply asking for too much. That's a good, a good faith negotiation with yourself. I like it. Um, I would have, so I've been like, yeah, uh, Miami's moved up to three for a, a seventh round pick. And Detroit said, yes. <clears throat> All right. That means the giants are on the clock. And with that being said, there has been a trade. Our first trade oh, of the draft. Oh, breaking news. R.J. White and the Giants trade out of the number four pick and slide back one slot as the Dolphins and Josh Edwards do trade up here. Miami sending number five and number 70 to New York in exchange for number four and 110. And with that fourth pick, the Dolphins take Tua Tonga-Vailoa, quarterback, Alabama. I hope someone drafted Noah Igbenogany just so Devo has to try to Igbenogany. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Uh, RJ and Josh, walk us through, uh, this, this trade. So again, fourth overall plus 110 for Miami's number five and Miami's 70th overall pick. Not a, a really prohibitive price to move up one spot. Yeah, I'll leave it up to Josh to talk about the Dolphins edge and, uh, and when the Giants are back on the clock, I can take you through their side. Yeah. So for me, I identified Tonga Bailoa as the better quarterback prospect, even with the medicals. Um, as the, Dolphins general manager, you know, I had some some very good intel on Tonga Bailoa's medicals, so I felt pretty confident. My guys checked him out. He's good. We're ready for him to play this upcoming season. We feel pretty good about it. Um, we didn't have to give up a lot of draft capital. The Giants general manager, RJ, he played some hardball. Um, I was trying to give him the 99th pick at first. He pushed back and said 110. I said, you know what, what's 11 picks when we're able to get the quarterback that we desire? So we move up one pick. Um, trade down essentially from 70 to 110, 40 picks to select the quarterback that you think is going to lead your franchise for the better part of a decade. I'm more than comfortable with that because I've still got a lot of draft capital. I can make other moves to move around in this, and and I'll share some insight into some other conversations that um, I had hoped to have with some teams throughout this draft. But when you look at Tonga Vailoa, I feel like his leadership is going to be able to transform the culture in Miami that's the biggest thing that they need at this point in time. I'm assuming that he's going to be completely healthy. Um, I think that he is healthy and that he's going to be able to to lead our franchise for quite some time. So I was comfortable with what I had to give up in order to select the player. Yeah, he's a health risk, but I mean, everybody's a health risk. It's football. You know, you you don't get paid to to uh, to stand there and not get hit. You know, you got 11 guys coming after you on every play. So kind of have to take that into a factor you know if he does get hurt people will be like oh i told you show they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have taken two well we knew he was a health risk but you know nobody has a zero percent health health risk in this league nobody has a hundred percent health risk in this league you just you t- taking it somewhere in the middle and maybe two is a little bit elevated but that's the trade-off you make for a player his caliber yeah and i'll say one thing you know when you're taking a guy like Tua, 
you have to be conscious of what you plan to do with him in your offense. So I think you do have to have this innate thought process where you're trying to protect him. So for Miami, my strategy at this point becomes we've got to improve our offensive line because we do know his history. At the same time, you know, we're going to design our plays to where we're not going to put him in a position to take unnecessary hits more often than necessary. So that's something that we can do to ensure that this pick has has a little bit longer longevity. And you got a Brian Flores as the coach, you know, longtime New, Eng- New England coach. He's seen how successful you can be when you don't let the quarterback get hit. So he knows that that's a priority. You keep you keep your guy upright, and you can have a lot of success. Yeah, I think too. Like, um, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see the Dolphins go Tua and two offensive linemen in the first round. And I think they would be widely praised if they came. And, and like, you look at how they address things in free agency. I mean, they went out and signed Byron Jones. They signed a bunch of pass rushers. They clearly targeted defense in free agency. Um, and it, you know, I would assume we're going to go offense here. Uh, RJ, how painful was it for, uh, you to put on your Dave Gettleman pants and trade down? Uh, it, it, you know, I don't know. Obviously, a lot has been said about he doesn't trade down, and it seems like he wants to this year. I like this trade because it's a it's a he is it's, lying. It's a way to trade down, but not really trade down. So you can get people off your back and say, "Look, I did do the trade down, and I improved improved my pick hall with getting, getting up forty spots." But you still get the same player because you know Miami's not flipping you for anybody but Tua. Right. So you do get to do that and get them get the people off your back in that sense. But uh, you, it's not really a, a major trade down for him. And and like in this case, you. You just, I mean, like, you just really swapped. Like, you're not even adding an extra pick or an extra player. You're just moving up 40 spots. I, I, I think that there is a very good case to be made that they would do that. Do you think that Miami would actually do this if the Giants get on the clock? Like, do you think if they get to four, do you think that Miami will actually, uh, trade up or do you think they would just play chicken a little bit longer? I think they would. Um, I think you have to be worried that someone else is going to come. The when you look at the draft chart and the, how much these picks are valued, like it drops precipitously from one to two, two to three, three to four. So just because the team's not willing to trade up for three, it's too much, doesn't mean that they don't have the price to get to four. So you do have to be worried about Jaguars, Chargers, you know, maybe even somebody deeper, Raiders coming up and getting to if they really like him. And you know, it's not a big price at all. Do you know how? freaking incredible it would be if thursday night the giants are on the clock and like all of a sudden they cut to roger goodell in his basement he's like we have a trade to announce and like then you just see the patriots logo and like no like like i mean like twitter would lose its effing mind if i it's like it's bill belichick's music by god and i actually i actually laid out a way it could happen you know there there is a blueprint where uh this kind of thing has happened before, and that's the Eagles trading up for Carson Wentz. They moved from 13 to 8, and then they moved from 8 to 2. The way they got to 13 to 8, they didn't trade any picks. They traded Kiko two Alonso. veterans, Kiko Alonso, Byron Maxwell, get to 13 to 8, and then they trade their pick call 8 to 2. I think the Patriots could do a similar thing if they're completely sold on Tua. They could get from 23 to 10 by floating, say, Joe Tooney out to the Browns. Browns need a guard. You know, what, and they can get the, when the Browns go down to 23, they're passing on one of the top tackles, but they supposedly really like Ezra Cleveland, and you can get him at 23 so if you're the browns you come out of this draft with ezra cleveland and joe tooney you got to be thinking that's pretty good you know we're, we're, we did a good job there and then at 10 the patriots can swing around get to four by trading their 2021 first and then one of those third round picks that's enough to get to that price so if you're only giving up the 2021 first and then one third round pick to get all the way from 23 to 10 plus or, and then to three plus an asset that you probably don't want to hang on to long term why not? You know, so if they like to, uh, I think the, the blueprint is there for them. 
I have that gives me. I don't know what the feeling that I have right now is, but it's, 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 it's a bizarre level of excitement for that possibility. Somebody needs to write an article for CBS Sports and I, I mean, I'm not going to do it. Is that right? Someone already it. did on Friday. That was me. Oh, you wrote it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's um, hey, it's quarantine. Uh, Friday, I checked out, buddy. It's quarantine. What are you not allowed to read the oh, internet? Yeah, we know you checked out. We, uh, we were doing a draft with you at that time. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. We were doing this, yeah, this draft. Yeah. What were you doing Friday, by the way, that you couldn't check your email every 45 minutes? Playing poker. Yeah, there you go. I appreciate the honesty. Went in. I went on a hot streak. Won yep. two tournaments on Saturday. And and made the final table in a 51-person tournament. And at the expense of the, the three of us here waiting for you to, to respond. And, and my family. Um, okay. So, anyway, that's, uh, I, uh, that is a fascinating concept with two. I, I want this. I need this. It, it, like, if they, if, if all of a sudden the Patriots are like, how, how would that work? Like, would we, would they trade? I think they would have to do it. Could, like, would they do it during the draft? So like, I would, let's... I would think we see the Tooney trade before, okay. you know, obviously. And then it'd probably be the day, the day of or a day before. And then they're at 10 and then they're working the phones. They probably would have an idea what it would take to get to three specifically with Lions because what their, their history together with Alliance or four. But... So then, then you enact that when that, when the guy comes on the clock. Like, say, uh, the Giants are like, you know, we'll do it. We like your trade, but we want to make sure Chase Young isn't there. You know, we want to make sure whatever, you know. So, uh, if that is the case, then we're going to go ahead and make that deal when we're on the clock at that point. Um, cause I, I, the, I mean, the, the thing is, like, if the Patriots get to 10 and the, like, if you're New England, you have to be aware that if you get to 10 and the Dolphins find out about it, the Dolphins will then quick, I would presume, quickly make a move. So like you almost want to get to 10. You don't want to, you don't want Miami to know you're at 10 until after the Redskins pick. Cause like it would not be surprising at all to me if Matt Patricia traded from three to 10. It like, it turned out a better offer from the Dolphins to, to take whatever his boy Bill Belichick is trying right. to do. Right. And then this doesn't necessarily have to be announced, you know, as soon as it gets agreed to, you know, if they could kind of keep it in the box, say, if two is there at three, you know, if nobody gets to two, this is the deal. These are the two deals we're going to make and have them kind of agreed to, but not actually processed and then make them both hand in hand. Also, Tooney, why is he not a fit for Detroit also? Detroit needs some guard improvement. Maybe that gets you all the way from 23 to three. If the Lions are comfortable dropping that far, I doubt they are, but, but if you get Tooney 2021 first, an extra third rounder and then 23, maybe that's something they're comfortable with. I don't know. I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're Detroit, not to belabor the point, but just, I think it's really interesting. Like if you're Detroit, you should, I would rather have, so 23, what are you getting? Um, Christian Fulton, maybe, or, uh, Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of yeah. name your guy at that point. Yeah. But like, right, let's say 23, you're getting Jalen Johnson. So would you rather have Jeff Okuda or Jalen Johnson, uh, Joe Tooney and an extra 2021 first round pick? I mean, it's a no brainer. If you're who? The Lions? Detroit. Yeah. But get, who's the coach going to be next year? Well, I mean, you, you sell. You sell. You, you try that stuff, but th- those guys have had two years and they haven't done jack. You go you know tell. You to say about Detroit? You storm into Stoney's office, say, "Listen, Stoney. you old bird." Fire. What's her nickname? Stoney. Oh, right. Stoney. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Stoney. Here's the deal. I got an extra 2021 first. I'm gonna shave my beard, lose 10 pounds. We'll be back. We're better than ever. Don't you worry about it. Stoney's the man. Look, man, I'm 104 years old. I don't have time to wait for you with all these excuses. 
Get me Jim Caldwell on the phone. <laughs> I think the other part of that, too, is regardless of who is the quarterback of the Patriots, you feel pretty confident they're going to be picking in the 20s or higher next year, too. So, I mean, that's going to factor into the equation. This isn't like, um, you know, pick a team, Arizona, Jacksonville. This well, isn't like, like one of those it's, teams. Well, it's like the trade that Houston made with um, Cleveland to go up and get Deshaun and then, you know, yeah. ACL and they have give up a top five pick. I mean, it's, it's right. It's probably not going to be that. Um, I, I mean, again, it's, it's, I don't know. I, it, if, I mean, I want this to happen so free. I mean, it will be, if, if we get it's Belichick's music, all of a sudden he's on the clock at three with two is sitting there. Like every single person who's been banging this two is not healthy. Two is not healthy. If Belichick trades up against Tua, like, you know, two is healthy. And you know that that's uh, Belichick's going to have more comfort with taking Tua than another team would with his relationship with Saban. So, so a lot of this team, you're falling back when you can't actually go and see all these players and get medicals and everything. You're falling back on your existing relationships. So when you're building these mock drafts or when we're kind of reflecting on what happened in, during the actual draft, you can kind of say, well, this makes sense because so-and-so worked for Saban you know, in 2015. So, so uh, he would feel comfortable taking this pick because of that and just kind of taking those relationships to the next level. Since we know Belichick and Saban are close, kind of is a fit you know maybe he's more comfortable taking two than the than miami would be okay um i don't know where the hell we are in this draft so diva do something a lot of time between <laughs> picks there uh now with the fifth pick um after that trade rj and dave gettleman and the giants select jedrick wills offensive tackle alabama yeah, it could be any tackle at this spot uh, with the Giants. I think th- I was just saying about the connection. The Alabama connection is there with Joe Judge. He spent three years in Tuscaloosa, um, so he has that familiarity. I think he he knows how Wills would fit in with the Giants. It's it's a it feels like the high floor guy of the four tackle options. It seems like all the other guys represent a little bit of downside. Wills, I think you're going to lock in. You're going to get a high floor guy who's a, a very good starter at at the very least. And you know he can step in and start on day one. Possibly switch to left tackle down the road if you need him to. I think he has that capability as well. But uh, this is this is a, a, a at least a B plus pick. You know you're making if you're the Giants, and you couple that with getting extra draft capital in that trade down. Why not? For sure. Do um. By the way, Mel Kiper said he thinks the Patriots could quote be aggressive. Do we buy into Mel Kiper uh, for Tua if he starts to slip at all? Do we buy? Like, I'm not disparaging Mel Kiper in any sense. I'm just wondering, like, is that a report or is he? You know what I mean? Like, it feels like that might just be him sort of talking to him. Like, yeah, he's. I mean, look, like Ryan Wilson. You know, it's draft season. You're a you're a hot bag of gas all month long. Just blah 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 blah. blah. Just spewing opinions. The same with Kiper. I don't think the Patriots are going to be in the Tua business. I, I think there may be some concerns with Tua, um, not just health concerns. So we'll see. But I don't know what Mel Kiper, what, what, whether he knows something or he doesn't. I did find it interesting when he got super angry about uh, the, the Joe Burrow most recent stuff. I didn't know what it was. Uh, that People were angry about Joe Burrow doing something, and, and Mel Kiper was fired up about uh, disparaging the great city of, of Cincinnati. So that's uh, – my lasting takeaway of Mel Kiper the last week or so, not anything about the Patriots. I don't, I just don't think they're going to be in the two of business. All right. Uh, Debo, we got, uh, Ryan Wilson and the, uh, Ryan, Ryan Wilson, aka Tommy Telesco with his 17 screens on the kitchen table, uh, on the clock. And they select Isaiah Simmons, linebacker, safety, punter, quarterback, wide receiver, every position on the field from Clemson. Yeah, so the Dolphins didn't need to trade up. We're not interested in, in um, Tua, and we're 
clearly not interested in, in uh, Justin Herbert. We're going with Isaiah Simmons. I'm going to, like I keep saying, I'm going to will this into existence. I want to see how good this defense can be and, and take that along with our ball control offense, starring Tyrod Taylor and Anthony Lynn, and um, see what the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have in, have in store for, for those two meetings a year. We'll circle back in round two, get a running back, and um, we're going to run the ball 4,000 times next year. I mean, I am, I'm starting to think this is the plan. Yeah, I bet I, they just they need a quarterback. I would wish I, we could say it. I don't know why they don't sign Cam Newton because he could start. But you wait but, until after. Is it? I think it's May first, and it doesn't count against the commit story pick formula. Oh, I would be concerned about competition, but I guess no one else cares about Cam Newton either right now. Yeah, Cam wouldn't count to the compensatory pick formula because he wasn't right, a free not. agent once the league year started. He was cut. So, um, Jameis would though. Jameis would. Jameis Winston, not Jameis Wood. <laughs> I can't imagine you let Philip Rivers leave and then sign Jameis Winston, even as a backup. It's oh, just that's disrespectful. You got to do something at this point. I mean, obviously Brady was was in the mix. You know, they seem to be one of the two finalists for Brady. And when he didn't pick you, then you got to have a plan B. I will say that whatever, like Tom Telesco, what he has done by allowing this depth chart to materialize the way it has for the Chargers, it, it is. It, it, like it's so obvious that they need a quarterback that everyone is mocking one to them. And it's almost like too obvious. Like if you wanted a quarterback at number six, whether it's Justin Herbert or Jordan Love or Tua Tungvaloa, uh, whoever it is, like you should fill out your depth chart and throw some misdirection there, right? Yeah, you could say you could, you could see it happening, but you know, they're a very slow plotting methodical team. They have their plan in place. And if that plan is a quarterback, we'll find out on Thursday. And if it's not a quarterback, if it's signed one, you know, we'll find that out a little bit after that. We could talk or not talk for hours. Um, that's the best in show reference. Oh, God. When's the last time you saw that? Uh, I don't know. A few years. Great oh, show. Great man. Uh, all right, Devo. We have another trade. What? Trade. I made the trade. Uh-huh. Will Brinson and the Panthers swapped the seventh overall pick with the Falcons and R.J. White in exchange for 16, 78, and a 2021 second rounder. And with that seventh pick, R.J. and the Falcons take C.J. Henderson, cornerback, Florida. Mm. Yeah, this is the price uh, that the Titans paid to move from 15 to 8 for Conklin. It was the third round pick, the future second round pick, and then number 15 to get to 8. So this is a little bit further of a jump, but we paid the same price, so we got to feel good about that value. It's a big move here, but we know Thomas Dimitrov isn't scared of big moves. You know, that Hill Julio move all the way up the board paid off. Traded up for Trufant, traded up for Tack McKinley, traded up last year for it's Caleb not, McGarry. It's not even that he's not afraid of him. He, like, loves a big move up. He seeks them out. Yeah. So there is a lot of buzz building that the Falcons are looking to jump into the top 10 for Henderson. That's like the, the biggest connection, I think, as far as smoke has, uh, has, uh, materialized in the last week or so. And I'm completely buying it. He fits the need they have. He's an excellent man cover player. Some teams reportedly think he's the cornerback one over Akuda. I don't think any of us would go that far, but, uh, you could see some teams buying in to be like, all right, this guy is our CB1. And if the Falcons are one of those teams, you could see them making this big move up the board because he ain't going to be there at 16. Mm. Um, from my perspective, uh, I, I think if I recall correctly, I was on the, oh, so the lack of Justin Herbert in the first, uh, six picks kind of threw a wrench in my plans. I didn't love the idea. I mean, Derek Brown, I guess I could have gone with there or even CJ Henderson or, or one of the tackles. I, 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 I honestly, I, I contemplated taking a wide receiver for Carolina felt a little bit redundant, um, 
and ultimately like, you know, RJ offered me a chance to move down nine spots and I get a, you know, a, a, a second round pick next year, which if the Falcons, uh, crater this season for any reason, um, you know, that, that, that's a pretty nice pick. Uh, and then add a top, you know, 80 pick. So I, I pretty sure too, like I was out of the house when RJ made the offer and, uh, unprepared to make a selection. And so really just took the first offer. He, I don't think I hardballed you, hardballed you at all. No, I don't think so. <laughs> but but R, I will also say like RJ makes fair and reasonable offers. Like he's not gonna like he's not like lowballing me. You know, like Dave Richard during our mock draft calls. Like I got a third round pick in 2022. It's like this is one no, like absolutely not. Um, okay. RJ, so no, he was dealing with the Freddie Kitchens of general manager. So he didn't have Bill O'Brinson. <laughs> yeah. How dare you, hey, Freddie O'Brinson? There you go. <laughs> uh, Billy O'Brinson. Uh, okay. So RJ back on the clock with the Cardinals, Diva. Back to back picks for RJ. At number eight, he selects Tristan Wirfs, offensive tackle, Iowa. Yeah, I'm trying to get my, uh, my airtime early. If we have to cut this off early, at least I've been the star of this podcast at this point. Uh, I think it makes the most sense for the Cardinals with his athleticism. He plays the 485 at the combine. He can get upfield and help break big plays, which are going to happen with Kyler Murray running around out there. Uh, you start him at right tackle, just like Wills, you can move him to left tackle down the road. Uh, if he winds up not living up to the hype at tackle and he just doesn't quite fit there, I think he'd be excellent inside at guard. So it's a great backup plan for you to have a, a fantastic guard at worst case scenario at this point. So four eight. You protect Kyler. You get you get an athletic tackle to stick there at the right side, and let's go. Let's have a really great offense this year. Um, I will just throw out that I would not be stunned if the Cardinals took Derek Brown there. Just throwing that out there. Um, what's about uh, Ryan Wilson on the clock with the Jaguars? And he does select Derek Brown, defensive tackle, Auburn. So the question here was not even quarterback. We're not interested in Justin Herbert. Do we want the third best offensive tackle or the best defensive tackle? So we went with Derek Brown. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. On to pick 20. That's what the Jaguars pick again. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with your uh, Derek Brown analysis earlier too that I think he could be in play for the Cardinals. I think the prop on him is eight and a half. Um, I wouldn't mind taking the under there and thinking that he could go to Carolina or the Cardinals. Um, and then worst case is nine. So I, I don't think he has a very, I've seen some mocks where he slips, you know, 13, 15, somewhere around there. But uh, I think top nine is kind of where his, his, his floor is at this point. Also too, when you're looking at Derek Brown, so like I was talking to Jason Lock and Fora on his uh, radio show in, uh, in Baltimore on 105.7 The Fan. And, um, he, he thinks the Panthers, if they stay at seven, will ultimately just, Decide, assuming two is not there, um, we'll probably just decide between Isaiah Simmons and Derek Brown. Um, so Simmons is gone. It's very, and like Brown is a pretty, not, I feel, I mean, like, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Feels like Derek Brown is like a, a nice seeing eye single for a first year head coach, um, who, in Matt Rule, who's coming in. Like you take Derek Brown, you're not going to get, like, he doesn't have to have 15 sacks next year. You know, it's a, it's just the position where he plays. He's not going to be overly scrutinized. And so I, I, it helps you against a run. I mean, does that seem fair? No one yelled at Dave Gettleman about the uh, Dexter Lawrence pick. They yelled at him about the Daniel Jones pick. And Dexter Lawrence actually had a pretty good season. He was 16th, I think, is where they took him. I loved it. 18th, but I love Dexter Lawrence. Um, okay. Uh, on the clock at 10, Josh Edwards and the Browns. Yeah, Josh making this pick, a, a lifelong dream, I think, for this Cleveland fan. Uh, he huh? takes Andrew Thomas, offensive tackle, Georgia. Yeah, I'm going to take Thomas. I'm going to have him wear number 73 so we can bring a lot of those old jerseys out of retirement. Uh, and we're feeling pretty good about it. He was our top tackle option 
Uh, he's played tackle his entire career at Georgia, so we feel really confident um, that he's at least going to be a double into the gap, hopefully a home run as well, but we feel really confident that he's going to be able to protect the blind side for Baker Mayfield, give him a little bit more time, which we did not see this past year. I mean, if you look at their depth chart after Greg Robinson's release, they don't have an offense, they don't have a left tackle on the roster. I mean, you could put Kendall Lamb there, you could put Chris Hubbard there, both of whom have been spotty at the right tackle position, so you couldn't possibly move them to the left side and feel confident. Andrew Thomas is a need pick, but he's a value pick as well because I think I think the the talent matches the pick here at number ten overall. Would you prefer this, Josh, or would you prefer second rounder for Trent Williams? I would prefer this because they've already got a lot of money tied up into Joel Batonio, Jack Conklin, J.C. Treader. Um, so there's a lot of money tied into that offensive line unit. I think you almost need to, in a sense, go bargain shopping to get a guy like Thomas, who is not going to cost as much against the cap, which, as we know, the cap is going to expand probably next year um, or the following year for sure. But we know the cap is going to expand, but you also have to pay Miles Garrett. You've got to pay Denzel Ward here in a couple of years. I mean, there's some there's some contracts coming due. All they have to pay Baker. Yeah, so Same you have to take that in mind. Denzel. You have to make that decision um, with those contracts in the back of your mind. So for me, I feel much more confident in Andrew Thomas coming in. I think I'm going to get a really good player and not have to pay the premium that I would if I was making a trade with Washington. Any thoughts about uh, taking Justin Herbert there? Nope. <laughs> I was going to ask. I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> Any no, thoughts? Not even a little bit. I still feel like Baker. If you get him in the right situation, he's very much a rhythmic thrower. So if you get him into this bootleg, you know, Kevin Stefanski, Gary Kubiak style offense running through Nick Chubb, I feel like that's a perfect fit for him. You've got Odell Beckham Jr. Um, you know, running down the field. I feel like that's a good match. I've felt that optimistic in the past before. So, and it, it's bit me. I mean, everybody is aware that Cleveland had high expectations going into this past season and completely fell on their face. So I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, the Browns are Andrew Thomas away from making a Super Bowl run. I don't think that at all. I'm not going to say that at all until they appear in the Super Bowl because they have proven me wrong so many times. So I'm going to say that Andrew Thomas is the best fit for us now and also for the next decade. How do you feel about that trade I proposed earlier, 23 and 20 for 10, and then you go down and get Cleveland probably? Yeah, I don't hate it because I I do love Joe Tooney, but at the same time, you're putting a lot of money into that right guard position. Um, assuming they're confident in Jack Conklin, you would think left tackle, left guard with Joel Batonio, J.C. Treader at center, um, Jack Conklin at right tackle. You're feeling pretty confident in that unit, even if right guard is probably not on the same level as those guys. Um, so I probably would not feel comfortable giving another big contract to that player because we do know that Joe Tooney – is going to want a big deal. I mean, he's he's playing on the franchise tag, so you're going to have to pay him as well. So I love Joe Tooney, the player, but I think the cost of doing business is just a little bit too high in this regard. What about if a player is Dante Hightower? Um, that would be savage by Belichick. I mean, he's I think he's in the last year year of his deal coming up, and we know the the history with Belichick is he gets rid of gets rid of a guy two one year too early instead of one year too late. So you know you look at all the trades the Patriots have made at the at the time we'd have been like whoa you know why did they do this deal? He's still a good player, and you know with who they have left at linebacker, I don't see it happening because I mean they don't have much behind Hightower, but. If they have their eyes set on Tua, and as Josh is saying, the Browns don't want Tooney, I mean, 
that could be a piece to dangle there to get to 10. So we'll learn what Josh thinks about that. Yeah, again, it's just a personal preference. I mean, Dante Hightower is not old, but he's not the youngest player either. I feel pretty confident, actually, in being able to get a quality linebacker on day two. Um, with my second-round pick, I've also got two third-round picks. So I feel pretty confident I can get a good player there with one of those three picks. And you got uh, two last year in the draft. I, I, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. I think I think the Browns, if the Patriots called and offered twenty three and Tooney for ten, I think the Browns would do that because you you know you don't want to give out a ten, but like you're taking a like to win in twenty twenty for Cleveland for Kevin Stefanski and uh, for Andrew Barry, if you have a winning season, you win nine plus games, you have all the cachet in the world with Jimmy and D Haslam. Like you will have just give you will have essentially given yourself a five year extension. Because like if you go five and five and eleven two years in a row, they're probably gonna fire you. That's just what they do. They have no patience. But like if you get his ear and you get a solidified you know solid one solidified voice managing things in Cleveland and you win. And I think they have to know that and Tooney represents a much better chance in my opinion of winning in twenty twenty than gambling on whatever, you know, tackle you're talking about at, at 10. Yeah, the counterpoint to that is if you do become overly aggressive and it doesn't work out, then it's going to bite you in the butt. So and, you got to look at it from both perspectives. What's that, Ryan? Sorry, Josh. Uh, and the Patriots, by virtue of you trading down, have gotten already gotten a ton better. So you've actually made the Patriots better, and you blew it on the 22. If they get Tua, what are you making a face about? I mean, the Patriots trading up to get Tua and oppose Tom Brady world, which – Part of me thinks I wonder if the, the 31 other teams are going to collude to, to not answer any phone calls from the Patriots. Because I mean, the, the, the 31 other teams have been like failing miserably to collude right. with the Patriots for 20 years. I, mean, it's, I think they're going to start now. Your time is uh, now. The time is now for the 11th pick, and that is me. Who do I take, Diva? And you are taking Jerry Judy, wide receiver, Alabama. So I personally prefer C.D. Lamb over Jerry Judy. I would use a top three pick on C.D. Lamb if I were uh, a um, a somebody running a football team. I, I love C.D. Lamb with all of my heart, um, and uh, but I think that Jerry Judy is a better fit for what Adam Gase uh, does in his offense than C.D. Lamb in this case. So uh, we're going with the precise route runner in Jerry Judy, explosive speed. Um, you know, can beat press man coverage. You know, you've seen him do it at the highest level. He's going to get open. He's like, uh, you know, he, he gives you what Jamison Crowder gives you in terms of, you know, being able to get open underneath and be a great target for a young quarterback, but also is an, can be an elite wide receiver. I would be extremely surprised if Jerry Judy, um, does not have a thousand, you know, 1200 yards one, within his first two seasons. It's a lot. Yeah, and uh, the opportunity will be there because it's not like they have a ton else at the Jets. You know, who else are you going to rely on if you're Sam Darnold? You get if I'm Sam Darnold, you give me Jerry Judy. I'm throwing him the ball 150 times. Like yeah. that's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Yep, I agree. Um, Raiders in the clock. So, so Will, I think this is a spot where your wife on her birthday gets to find out again that C.D. Lamb is in fact a real football player who played wide receiver for Oklahoma, and he's going to the Raiders and R.J. White. Yeah, we would have liked to get C.J. Uh, C. Henderson here, but we'll settle for our wide receiver one. Versatile number one receiver, 
yards per catch ability will fit well with the QBs they have there, especially if it's going to still be Derek Carr. Um, so I think that he's a great fit for what they want to do. He can also be physical when he needs to be. He can be in the red zone game plan. He's not a guy that's going to dominate between the twenties and then you got to go somewhere else. You know, he, he, he'll get you some touchdowns too. So I think he's a complete package for a team that needs a bona fide wide receiver one after the uh, Antonio Brown stuff didn't work out last year. So this kind of fills that hole in our offense. That, uh, CeeDee Lamb tweet of mine feels like it was 42 years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was in December 28th, 2019. Uh, every time my wife sees CeeDee Lamb, she's like, that's CeeDee Lamb! There he is! Uh, so yeah, I love CeeDee Lamb. I'm on that train too. I think he's a perfect fit and, uh, he's what they need. You know, when you're leaning on Darren Waller as your top receiving option, something's gone horribly wrong for your passing game. <laughs> yes, you are. Uh, alright. Number, th- oh, you know what? Take a quick break. And when we come back, Debo will announce another exciting Draft day trade. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so we're coming back with a trade. The 49ers and Will Brinson are moving back two picks as the Broncos and Josh Edwards move up, sending the 15th and 118th picks San Francisco's way. And with that 13th pick, the third straight wide receiver comes off the board as the Broncos select Henry Ruggs, another wide receiver from Alabama. Yeah, I was starting to sweat. I see Jerry Judy coming off the board. I see C.D. Lamb coming off the board. Henry Ruggs has been my target for quite some time. I think he's a per- perfect complement for Cortland Sutton. No offense. Um, you get this guy that's going to be able to expand the field vertically, but also work underneath um, and open up some lanes for those guys as well. So for me, Ruggs was my top priority. Um, I didn't know if San Francisco was interested in him themselves, but I also know that Philadelphia is lying in the weeds, looking for a number one wide receiver. I didn't know if they were making calls to trade up. So I was confident in my pick. I moved up. I did what I had to do to select Henry Ruggs, and I'm feeling really good about my offense. Now I'm going to come back. I'm going to work on my offensive line and make sure that Drew Locke has a successful second season. Broncos also have a lot of pay. I think they have three third-rounders. So if they just, if this is the price they have to pay to get their guy, you know they, they've addressed a lot of their needs this offseason already. You pay that price because you already have a ton of guys you're adding to the roster anyway. Do you think – I mean, I, I, 118 is not – that expensive to move up two spots for rugs. I don't, I mean, like, I would have liked to get more if I'm San Francisco. Um, you know, not to spoil it, but, you know, but anyway, you'll, I get a little bit more, but like, I would, I think San Francisco would love to try and get, uh, add another top 100 pick, but because they have, uh, two first round picks and then I think nothing until the fifth round. Is that right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you, I mean, if you're Kyle Shanahan and, um, uh, how am I drawing a blank on the Hall of Fame? Uh, uh, John John Lynch, Hall of Fame GM, who's just in the Super Bowl. Um, uh, 
uh, if you're, if you're those guys, I think you almost like have to just get something in those rounds. Like you can't, I mean, two first, coming away with two first rounders would be great, but I would not be surprised at all. If you set the over under of trades at two and a half on, on Thursday night for the 49ers, I would, I would consider taking the over. Certainly take the over at one and a half. In a regular draft, I would agree with you, but we just don't know how the, the virtual scenario is going to play out, how comfortable teams are going to be with trading up and down, how comfortable they're going to be with giving up some of these top 100 picks. Because once you get outside the top 100, considering the work that people haven't been able to do with these prospects, you know, good luck on day three at this point. Could, could, uh, I don't know if you put it in the article, I, I didn't read it because we're podcasting, but, um, could 13 be a spot for the Patriots, like a launching pad, do you think? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that the 49ers have as much cap space to make it work. Browns are one of the top teams in cap space, which is why I zeroed in on them for 10. I'm thinking like the Patriots are like, hey, look, we'll give you – because the Patriots don't have a second because they traded it for most of new. This would be like 87. Yeah, I mean that that's that's probably – they probably have to give up two-thirds. I don't know if they're willing to pay that price. They might have to give up a future pick. I don't know if they're willing to pay that price. So, you know, it seems a little bit high for me. I had a mock, uh, I believe in my seven-round mock, I had the Vikings coming up to 13 and being the team to make it happen because there's one tackle left on the board, and I think tackle could be a, a, a need for the Vikings to try to get that left side locked down or even the right side and move Brian O'Neill over because he had a good year and just, you know, get rid of Riley Reef and upgrade that offensive line for Kirk Cousins. So I think the Vikings could be a team to look at now that they have two first-rounders and a second-rounder and some other picks. But uh, I don't know about the Patriots. You don't, you don't think the Patriots be like, hey, listen, uh, we're going to cash in that IOU on the Jimmy G deal. So uh, here's a third rounder. We're coming up to 13, and uh, you could have 23 too. I think the Patriots, if they're trading up and it's not you know super high for two, they're probably looking in the 16, 17, 18 range and paying one-third to get into that range instead of all the way up to 13. All right, uh, Ryan Wilson on the clock. And he selects Mackie Becton, offensive tackle, Louisville. For the Buccaneers. Yeah, for the Buccaneers. Uh, we were sweating. We didn't know if uh, once the Broncos traded up, they're going to come up and get an offensive tackle because they certainly ha- have needs there. Garrett Bowles hasn't quite worked out, but uh, apparently they're comfortable enough that they prefer to have senior rugs. So we're going with Mekhi Becton because we need some offensive line protection for old Tommy T there, Tommy Brady. Uh, the thing is, Mekhi Becton has played uh, left tackle for the last few years in Louisville, but he started as a right tackle, so he has that ability Maybe it's not something he can do immediately, but um, he can start out at right tackle, kick over to left tackle where he's was dominant last year. And um, he probably won't play as long as Tom Brady because Tom Brady will play into his 60s, but he could have a good 10-year run, and we feel great that we didn't have to trade up and get a, off the tackle. Feels like a slam dunk that the Bucks take a tackle if they're up there. So what happens if all four are off the board? Let's say that three go in the top 10 and the Jets go tackle at 11. You know, What do you do if you're, if you're the Bucks? So that messes up the old game plan because ideally – you wouldn't trade up because they have the first, second, third round picks, um, and you would have a, an offensive tackle fall to you. I don't know if you would reach for Josh Jones at 14. Um, he had a really good season at Houston, had a really good senior bowl, even better senior bowl than, than season, you, you could argue. Um, so you, you may think about going defensive tackle. Jamon Kinlaw still there, and because what you want to do, which means – so if you go Javon Kinlaw because the tackle's gone, then that messes up your plan to get, say, a wide receiver in, in the second or third round and then a, a running back in – in the second or third round, because that would just basically uh, round out that offense and, and put you on par on paper anyway with what the Saints could do. But if you have to take Javon Kinlaw, then in round two you have to think about which tackles do you like there, whether it's Isaiah Wilson, whether it's Ezra Cleveland, should he fall, um, Austin Jackson, whomever. And, and then round three, maybe you, you get best player between the running backs and wide receivers that remain. So I don't know if I would trade up. 
if I'm if I'm the Buccaneers. It just depends on on how the rankings go from your offensive tackles from four, and, and the the subset underneath that. How far, what the difference is? Uh, the Buccaneers utilize OJ Howard to move up. Um, yeah, it's possible. I don't know that he has that much trade value because they're trying to get rid of him. It seems at this point, so I don't think he's going to get you like to seven or eight. You know, may get you a couple spots up. Yeah, he'll get you from fourteen. He'll get you down to eighteen if you try to include OJ. <laughs> So it's like the Patriots uh, give up 23 for 14 and O.J. Howard. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, a couple uh, outside outside the box. Like, could they be a receiver team in the first round? Like, say say Lamb I, is the only one off the board. That. Like, I think Jerry Judy, the odds on him going to the Bucks are 40 to 1. But, I mean, I would play that because this is an offense where you're going to have to pay Chris Godwin next year. If you do – can you keep both him and Mike Evans on huge contracts? I don't know if that can happen. So do you want that affordable, you know, number one, number two, just great guy to have continuity in the offense? And a lot has been made about protecting Tom Brady. That's how you make the offense better. Just give him more weapons too. I mean, after what he went through in New England, he's going to be like, give me all the weapons you can get. So I don't think he would hate Jerry Judy at 14 at all, a guy that good. Um, so I think there might be a sleeper team for a receiver since these receivers are projected to go in that 11 to 15 range, but nobody really projects any of them to go to Tampa. And if the board just happens to slip, so even if there is a tackle on the board, who says that they, they like that guy? I mean, they might have plus grades on two guys or three guys, and if you just leave them one left, they just might be, yeah, we don't want that guy. Let's go somewhere else. No, that's a good point. And look, like Henry Ruggs was 6-1 to one to be the first receiver off. He's now down to 2.5 to 1. I mean, it's possible the Jets just take Ruggs, you know? Like, I, I don't, I don't think, like, do you think there's a chance Ruggs goes over Judy? Yeah, uh, team's prize speed. Uh, you know, Josh was talking about how his fit in that offense, um, to where he stretches the field. That also helps a young quarterback because that brings the safety out of the play more. So you don't have to worry about, you know, what the safety's doing as much if he's, if you know he's taken out over the top with a guy like Ruggs. So you could see him helping out a young, an uh, offense with a young quarterback there. Um, so I think it's possible. I don't think I would do it. I don't think most people would do it. Uh, I, Judy's a more complete player. Lamb is a higher upside, more dynamic player. And Ruggs, I think, is kind of the third guy. Okay. Uh, all right, Do we have any breaking news? Oh, this is the Brinson part of the draft. Just a certified wheeler and dealer, or he was just playing poker and didn't two, the two handsome GMs locked in a battle. That's mm. what they'll give up in a trade. So the, the 49ers had the 15th pick and, and Brinson had the 15th pick after moving back that. Now they're moving back two spots again. Uh, in a trade with himself, the Cowboys send 17 and 123 up for number 15. And with that 15th pick, they select Xavier McKinney, safety Alabama. Gotta be a real asshole to trade with yourself in a mock draft. Can you say that? Can you say that during the draft? Maybe. You can believe it. Yeah, more work. I, I find, Jerry I, would say it. Jerry Jones I, would say it. Jerry Jones would say it. Yeah, you got to be a real mosquito, uh, a circumcised mosquito to trade with yourself during a draft. Um, I find bleeps of cuss words, unexpected bleeps, to be the funniest thing in the world. I don't, I don't know why. Like, like they always, uh, like I was watching Arrested Development. You know, like, like they're talking about the toothpaste, and she's like, the glisten, always that glisten, and it just cracks me up. Um, Anyway, uh, look, I, I think San Francisco wants to move down and accumulate as many picks as possible. At 15, you know, when we, when we flipped with, uh, 
the Broncos and they took rugs. It sort of threw a, a wrench in the plans. CJ Henderson's already off the board. So he didn't really want to go cornerback here. Uh, and you know, Dallas is willing to give up 123, which isn't a, a lot, but it is another pick and the 49ers need more picks just to move down two spots. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I don't, I don't, the Dallas Xavier McKinney thing is like strongly connected. I feel like they might go in a different direction, but I, I, I don't know. I didn't, uh, it just felt like a thing to do in Alabama safety. Why not? Yeah, I think if a team's trading up here, it might be for one of these falling quarterbacks. I don't know that it's for McKinney. Some people are projecting McKinney falls out of the first round. So I don't know that you have to trade up to get him if you're Dallas at 17. Oh, and again, like I'm San Francisco and Justin Herbert and Jordan Love are out there and you beholes just <laughs> wouldn't make me an offer to come up to 15. Like I made it very clear that I will take the best offer possible. Like, or not even, not even, just like, just throw me a bone. I had to trade with myself to move down. I should have traded up with, uh, so you, I'm the Saints GM. I should have moved up with the Saints and grabbed Justin Herbert or Jordan Love. Um, which by the way, we'll get to, but those guys are dropping precipitously. Uh, let's, good lord, I'm, I have three straight picks. Yeah. This is really where it bottled next. So let's go to 16th, Eva. So you're on the clock again, and with that 16th pick, it's the Panthers selecting because they traded down previously from number seven. With that 16th pick, it's Javon Kinlaw, defensive lineman, South Carolina. I mean, feel great about this. Javon Kinlaw, surprising drop. Uh, get him at 16. Um, maybe this is the range for him, but, uh, you know, Panthers wanted Isaiah Simmons originally. The draft, you know, Justin Herbert didn't go in the top six, so Carolina was able to nab Kinlaw, another one of our top, uh, prospects on the board. I will say this. I heard, uh, Brian Brodius, I think, I think I said he pronounced his last name, uh, who used to work for the Cowboys on 105.3, the fan the other day. And he said that teams are, st- a lot of teams are starting to get nervous about injuries for Kinlaw. Uh, not just his knee, but I think he also said his hip. And so he made it sound like it is even a remote possibility that Kinlaw might not go in the first round by or sell. Uh, it's possible. I mean, anything's possible at this point. We just don't know. Um, and if there is that, that hesitation there because of medicals, you know, who knows what's going to happen. Uh, I would think that one of these teams with multiple first round picks would take him at some point. You know, if the Jags don't get Derek Brown at nine, I would think they take him at 20, even with the issue with the medicals, because that's your second first round pick at that point. Um, you know, maybe the Vikings take him at 25. That's your second first round pick at that point. Um, I, 31. For the Niners, if they don't trade down, that seems to kind of be the floor for me. Uh, but maybe it happens. Who knows? Ryan? Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think. Um, just the talent there. Of course, I mean, we talked about Juwan Taylor last year, the right tackle of the Jaguars, and um, he slipped around too. And there were some lingering issues uh, about a knee injury. I believe there was some injury-related thing that saw him slip. Um, so, yeah, I can. It, it can certainly happen. I haven't heard anything about that, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Because uh, uh, people will argue that Kinlaw, in terms of um, projecting him, could could be better than Derek Brown, and, and that's you know that's pretty high praise. The uh, the guy I always think about when when we talk about uh, injury drops, T.J. Clemmings, um, for the uh, who was drafted by the Vikings in 2015 in the fourth round. He was projecting like he was a first rounder in a lot of box. And this happens. I mean, he just sort of reminds me like this happens almost every year. There's a guy that we have as this, you know, built out into the 
the mock structure. And then all of a sudden it's like he drops out of the first round. I was like, well, that's very surprising. And you start to get buzzed throughout the draft process. Like the, you know, the days of the draft that it's injury related. Somebody, somebody tweets it out, et cetera. Um, and I, I just, I, I don't think Ken Law will drop that far. I just, I just wonder. I just, you know. Sure. With Maurice Hurst. Maurice Hurst had a heart issue at the combine. Yeah, got, it, got it, reported. He went from being a first round pick to I think a fifth round pick, and it, finally, the guy that talented, you take a take a shot at him at that point, obviously, and it's worked out for him so far. Yeah, yeah so, Malik McDowell too. What's that? Malik McDowell too. I think yeah. uh, he had some injuries. That, that was he the? I think he was the one that had the ATV injury or something. I think that was him, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's a great point on Maurice Hurst, RJ. Okay. Uh, next up. To end this run of three picks in a row for Brinson with the 17th pick and the 49ers finally selecting after trading back from 13 and 15, they select Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, LSU. Uh, I'll be honest. I feel like I sort of botched this as the 49ers GM. Um, I could have had Henry Ruggs at 13 and instead I got Justin Jefferson with and added uh, 118 and 123. I, I I don't I don't love going with a wide receiver here, but I just didn't I didn't want to go. I thought about Josh Jones. Um, I would have loved again for one of you b holes to call me and trade with me to come up and just get Justin Herbert, but nobody would do it. Um, and like uh, I, I, I don't know how would you what would the grade be for this Justin Jefferson pick? I don't hate it if you don't love Henry Ruggs and um, if you want. To have someone to have success in your offense, have them go to Kyle Shanahan offense. And uh, you could argue that Justin Jefferson is more polished than Henry Ruggs. He didn't run a 4.27. He ran a 4.43. He actually ran faster than he plays, but he's out of the slot. And I would imagine Shanahan will find a million ways to use him. And if Jimmy G has any sort of chemistry with, with Justin Jefferson that Joe Burrow had, that makes him a better player. I mean, there's no guarantee Henry Ruggs can come out there right away and start blowing people away. You, you just don't know. When you talk about guys who are just sheer speed demons, and I know that Henry Ruggs does more than that, but you can look down. We talked about this at the combine. The list of guys who ran in the four twos, and that translated to NFL success. It's like, it's like uh, Randy. Moore. Yeah, maybe Julio Jones ran. I don't think he ran the four twos though. But, uh, he, he, he had a broken foot at the combine. Yeah, that would have been impressive. But um, Randy Moss, and then you, you know, you have some questions after that. I don't hate this trade, and you got a couple of picks. So you don't have a ton of picks as the 49ers. Yeah, I like the trade better if you do it once and then you take Kinlaw at 15. Then I think you're getting an A grade for that. You pick up an extra pick, you get the guy you probably would have took at 13 anyway. Um, and then people are being like, oh yeah, great, great move. Now let's see what they do at 31. You know, do they trade back again? Josh, great. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of uh, Justin Jefferson's. I have been for a while. So I think, you know, he's a really great player. If you're able to move back four slots, pick up a couple extra, you know, mid-round picks, still get a player of his caliber. I know it's a little bit earlier than maybe some project, but I'm happy with the value there. I think it's a good pick. Okay. Um, you guys are just being nice to me. All right. Uh, on the clock. I'm not happy about it. What? No, yeah. I'm not happy about being nice to you, but I don't hate it. Yeah. Um, he's a stud out of the slot. Uh, out of the, slot. Uh, the Dolphins on the clock at 18 here. Yes. And someone besides Brinson finally gets to pick, and that's Josh Here's- picking for the Dolphins. After selecting Tua earlier at 18, the Dolphins get Josh Jones, offensive tackle, Houston. So a little bit into my thought process here, um, I was initially thinking Caleb on chase on from LSU. Um, and then I examined some of the contracts that I don't know what I was doing, you know, when free agency took place. I just was handing out money left and right. So <laughs> I gave Kyle Van Noy a big contract. I gave Shaq Lawson a contract. 
I don't really know what I was doing in that circumstance. I probably should have waited and taken a guy like Chase on at this point. But um, for me, I need to solve the left tackle position. It's been a huge issue since they let um, Larry B. Tunzel go and trade last year. They got rid of Jawan James a year earlier. Um, so they have to improve their offensive line, especially with Tua under center now. So you have got to make some strides along the offensive line unit. And I think Josh Jones may be a slight reach in the minds of some. Um, but for me, I feel comfortable securing a, a prospect that I know can grow and develop uh, with my young team and, and become an even better offensive line here in a couple of years. Cool. Um, I, I, I think it's the play. I think if they, I think, I think they're going to go two at five and an alignment at 18. I just think, and maybe another lineman at 26. I just think that's, you look at what they've done, and then you don't buy into this BS smoke screen they're putting out. That's just how it's going to play out, in my opinion. Josh, do you have a, uh, what would your preference be? Would you take Josh Jones here in two at five, or would you prefer your top left, your top tackle, Andrew Jones, if that's your guy at five, and then Herbert? Just assuming he's going to be available like he is here, Herbert or Love, whichever one your, your guy is. So which pair do you think is better in a bubble? Yeah, I think that's an interesting, um, thought-provoking um, exercise there. I would probably still take Tua because I know that he's the better prospect between the two of them. Um, you're obviously taking a gamble on his medicals, but I still feel really confident in him as a player. I would feel more confident taking him and then having a guy like Josh Jones, who I know has the athleticism and is going to need to be able to develop on the edge. But at the same time, I feel more confident in his upside with Tua Tonga Vailoa as my quarterback than I would taking, you know, let's say Jedrick, Jedrick Wills, because he went one pick later to, to the Giants in this exercise. I would feel better with Tua and Josh Jones um, simply because I think you have to get the quarterback position solved first, and I just I feel more comfortable with Tua. Uh, by the way, at this point of the draft, um, ABC, ESPN, NFL Network, who are all showing the draft, but you can watch our coverage on CBS Sports HQ, of course, including a uh, pre uh, hour before the the uh, the draft starts. Me hosting a show. Uh, I assume Ryan will be on there as well. Um, Super Friends will be uh, holding it down. Uh, but at this point on ESPN and NFL Network, this it, it is basically a live feed of Justin uh, Herbert's house because yeah, like. So Every commercial break, they're going into it. They're they're flipping over like now. We take a look at Justin Herbert, you know, and yeah, and it's like is he on the phone with anyone? But and remember, like this is not a green room situation, so we can't have like the Aaron Rodgers debacle or the Brady Quinn situation. Um, you know, this would be a uh, this would be a case where like Justin Herbert is like like you're in your living room and you've got a Skype cam because you think you're going to be a top five pick, and all of a sudden it's freaking 18 and like the, and if you're the Dolphins you're like oh my god we boy good thing we didn't trade up for two like Herbert's falling this far I mean it, all of a sudden it's like can you leave the living room do you, like what do you do you unplug the camera done and done <laughs> you just think you go outside just cut the wire into your house no they got I think they got a box I think there's the tweet last week from the NFL saying they they got their video box whatever they like call box or whatever yeah yeah and I think it's probably like a camera like this and and lights you just throw a football at it and just smash, yeah. smash. Or you just sit up to the side and stare into the corner like the last scene of uh blair wish project and just hope it's over soon or like or like herbert runs up to his room and he's crying and like herbert's dad is like holding his mom and she like weeps into his arms and they're just showing it on tv milking it for everything it's worth yeah i mean there's some of that in play but the further you go in the draft the better team you get to land on so so if he if he goes to 23 and he lands on the patriots i don't think he's complaining that much no, yeah, if you go to 23 and you land on the Patriots, you're doing a dance. 
Yeah, so I mean, for the further you go, or or the Saints, I mean, just these teams that could be taking quarterbacks late in the first round are perennial playoff teams, and you'd be inheriting, you know, some of the best offensive attacks in history. You know, so I'll go play for Sean Payton. I go play for Josh McDaniels. You know, he let let me drop to the twenties. What were you saying, Josh? Yeah, you had a conversation with our own Bryant McFadden earlier this week, where he was taken a little bit later in the draft, and he thought that he was going to be taken, and he ended up on a Super Bowl winning team. So. You know, it, in the moment, it feels like you're being slighted, but I feel like, you know, after you win a Super Bowl, everything's good. You don't really have any issues anymore. Referencing other podcast episodes that you weren't on as part of a podcast you were on is a surefire way to ensure that you will be a repeat guest on this podcast. Nothing gets, uh, nothing, you, 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 you know. Nothing, nothing stroking my ego will bring you back as a guest. I can promise you. And Will, that was like the 52 minute mark that we started that talk. I know. The, 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 the BMAC draft stuff was actually awesome. That was not planned and it came out great. Do you think, uh, Josh was cutting his grass when he listened to that part of it? <laughs> was he out there on the ride long more? <laughs> Look, we get a lot of free time now. We're under quarantine. You know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to find ways to occupy my time. Um, pick six. I'm not going to, you know, uh, confirm or deny that maybe I was mowing my lawn at the time, but I, you know, I think that the best the best time for podcasting is mowing your lawn. I think it's great. Like uh, for listening to podcasts, I gotta tell you, my podcast listening is dropped precipitously during this quarantine, which is very bizarre. I don't even I don't even know why. Uh, anyway, nineteenth pick, who's up? Yes, for the race? as ESPN and NFL Network equally freak out because Justin Herbert's feed just went black as he unplugged the box. Uh, the Raiders and RJ select Herbert. The quarterback from Oregon at number 19. Yeah, we were planning on going with a particular corner here. A.J. Terrell has gained some buzz. It seems like teams could go, he could go in the teens. He can go earlier than people think. And that's when we, when we knew we weren't going to get C.J. Henderson at 12, we thought, okay, we'll get a receiver and then Terrell at 19. But then Justin Herbert's available and he's expected to be a top six pick by most. We think it's great value here. We know the Raiders had a video visit with him in late March. Uh, so they are doing their homework in the quarterbacks as you would expect them to. I don't think that they're going into this draft saying we need to get a quarterback. I think they're fine going into next season with Carr and Mariota as the, as the emergency break glass situation. But if Herbert's there at 19, I mean, that's got to be a conversation that Gruden's having. He has a lot of great tools. I think he can be a good pro with the right coach. We, we were having a conversation earlier about would Lamar Jackson be Lamar Jackson, you know, in, in, in the, a different offense and these kind of things. I, I think you put a quarterback with John Gruden and let him work. You know, that could be a situation where he unlocks uh, Herbert's upside and he's a better pro than than a guy that goes 19 overall. So I think it's a good good pairing here. I don't think the pressure is on Herbert to start right away. He could sit behind Mariota, if we were to if we were to get rid of Carr, he could sit behind you know for a year, and um and then year two get excited for Vegas because the young quarterbacks under center. Um, two two things on this. One, uh, I think the Raider call is a great one because John Gruden still to this day, I, and I, I don't know, he doesn't talk about it a whole lot, but like he has basically said that he thinks he got fired because he didn't have the huevos to stop Aaron Rodgers' fall in ta- when he was in Tampa. Like he took Cadillac Williams instead of Rodgers at five. And he, he was interested in Rodgers. Um, and then, you know, Rodgers is falling and he gets down, you know, Green Bay takes him at 24 in 2005. Um, Tampa was at 36. They could have easily got, they took Barrett Rudd there, the linebacker. They could have easily gotten up, uh, from 36 to grab, uh, get back in the first round and, and stop Rodgers fall. And I mean, who knows how, who knows how long, Gruden, like Gruden might still be coaching in Tampa if Rodgers gets drafted, like drafted there. I mean, there might be like a dynasty of sorts. I mean, Gruden and Rodgers, come on. So, uh, that being said, um, 
Justin Herbert stinks. He's not good. He shouldn't be going in the first round. I know this because I spent all Sunday watching tape of him because Pete Prisco decided to talk some smack to me about Herbert. He's like, you don't study the tape. You don't watch the tape. I was like, I'm going to go watch three games of him right now, and I'm going to come back. And I started watching him. He's bad. He's not good. His ball placement is horrific. He doesn't step into any throw. He does, like, he throws with his arm the entire time. Um, he had clean pockets all over the place at Oregon. I understand he didn't have the best wide receivers and tight ends in the world, but I mean, this, like, this, he's missing throws left and right. All they did was throw screens and swings. It's like 70% of his passing yardage. He should not go in the first three rounds. He's not good. Yeah, so the argument is he was in a crappy offense that didn't suit his needs. They, they, they Mario Cristo, I don't know what they're doing running all those screens and, and Brady Quinn will tell you that they weren't, they didn't use Herbert's athleticism enough. And you're right, Brenton, their wide receivers suck, but guess what? They had the best or one of the two best offensive lines in the entire college football. He had so much time back there. And if you watch the USC game, that first quarter of the USC game, I was like, this guy just, he's not going to get it. He played terribly and then he got red hot and played a fantastic last 45 minutes. But my point, one of the rare times I tweeted during a college football game, I said, look, if you can't have success behind the best offensive line in college football, how are you going to magically be good when you go to a terrible team in the top seven and, and somehow turn the corner? I, I say it all the time. Like he is a great kid. I enjoy talking to him. He's incredibly smart and all this stuff, but. He's a second round pick and you can paint it any way you want. I've, um, someone compared him to Mitch Trubisky. I sort of compare him to Josh Allen in, in terms of all the question marks coming out, uh, in terms of the accuracy and, and the crazy athleticism, how it doesn't translate. Here's the difference. He played four years at Oregon. Um, Josh Allen played with a bunch of guys who aren't very good in, in Pete Prisco's words. They're bouncers and bartenders now. And Mitch Trubisky played one year. So. I would expect more upside from Mitch and Josh than I would from Justin, given the fact that he is virtually the same player that he was four years ago. So you can draft him all you want, and I, I get it. Demand is flight, all that crap, but he's not going to come in there and blow the doors off of anything, and that's not necessarily slight against him. It's just the reality of what he did at Oregon and, and how you project that at the next level. Uh, real, real quick, and I'm curious to hear what RJ and, and, and Josh have to say too, but I, I thought something that I think it was Brady Quinn – said during our mock draft uh, live show at some point on CBS Sports HQ, he said, look, he's he started for four years. You you cannot be a four-year starter who is a project, projection. Like, you, you can't be like, oh, he's a project. It's like, no, he started 43 games in Oregon. Like, Mitchell Trubisky at least only started like 16 games. I mean, 43 games. That is a big body of work. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you have to be comfortable with where he is now. So if Gruden's seeing the same thing that you are, then obviously he's not going to make that pick. But he had him in for a virtual visit. He's talked to him. They've done their work on him. So I don't think he's, he was scratched off at, you know, February, January. He wasn't scratched off the Raiders draft list. Otherwise, why are you talking to him? So, um, I'm not, I think dogging, the pos- I'm not dogging your pick, by the way. Yeah, I, I think just, the possibility is I- there. I, Nobody expects him to go in the round two. He might be a round two type player, but nobody expects him to drop that far. I think this is kind of as far as we think he's going to get, you know, the 18 to 22, 23 range. So, um, yeah, we expect people, him to come people, off the board. Yeah, people are going to listen to this podcast and be like, this is stupid. You have Herbert going at 19. Like, this isn't reality. And I, I don't think we know for sure. Like, he, I mean, he could, he could fall. Like, if yeah, the Chargers, we, yeah, we talk number six. Then we have to start asking questions of how far he falls. Because the Chargers don't take him. Who's going to go run up there and take him? The Jaguars, they keep, they seem to be sold on Gardner Minshew and they have a bunch of other needs. And then after the Jaguars, who's going to do it? Rich Gannon, by the way, said too, like on that podcast, like he doesn't, he, I mean, like, 
I, I don't know. I mean, he, he and Gruden are very tight, obviously. He played for him. They're like the same age. Um, he talked about that a little bit too, but like he intimated fairly heavily. I felt like, and Debo, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was like, I don't think the Raiders are in the quarterback business this, this all season or this draft. Now I think this is a different case too, where Herbert falls 19. He makes Herbert is a, is big. He's got a cannon. Um, and you like, it is not surprising to me that NFL teams fall in love with him, Josh. Yeah, I'm going to look at this from a little bit of a different perspective because I think if you go back to him as a high school recruit, um, this is a guy that made a decision with his heart because I think he's actually from Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. So we see a lot of players that pick schools because they feel like, you know, I grew up here. I should be the starting quarterback for this team. But maybe it wasn't necessarily the best fit for him. And I think that's kind of what it goes back to with Ryan. I think Herbert's has the qualities that you look for in a quarterback. Um, you know, there's going to be arguments that you can't teach accuracy, and that's certainly valid. But at the same time, I think you have to be excited by his arm strength, some of the stuff that he's able to do from an athletic standpoint. And that's why I can understand why the Raiders would potentially take him here. Um, but at the same time, he's he's a gamble. I mean, that's essentially what it boils down to. You don't know what you're going to get. So, John, what's your ceiling on Justin Herbert, NFL player? Um, a little better than average. Right. So I don't, I don't think you're going to, I don't think you're going to get that level of consistency that you would hope for him. So I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, one of those elite quarterbacks, but at the same time, if you get a little bit better than average and you're able to put a roster around him that's competitive, I think, you know, you might be able to do some damage in the playoffs if the situation is right. You know, but I don't think he's ever, yeah, I don't think he's ever going to be up there with the top five quarterbacks. You're describing Josh Allen. So yeah. Josh Allen's a top 10 pick, so that's fine. But don't feel like this is going to be Joe Montana or something. I think his floor is like Blaine Gabbert. So Blaine Gabbert and Josh Allen is what you're getting. At 19, that feels like great value. At 5 or 6, that, that feels like a stretch. Yeah, Gabbert, number 10 pick. And we were talking earlier about the uh, the buzz with Tua might be a smokescreen, that teams hate him now, and he could fall. You know who's the t- who's the guy that gets pumped up in that situation? It's Herbert. You know, it, Dolphins love Herbert, and Herbert could be three and or five, and somebody could trade up over the Dolphins to get him. But if we're talking about two of the smokescreen season, then that Herbert, you know, love has to also be considered potentially smokescreen season. Teams are kind of pumping him up because they don't want him, and then all of a sudden he's fallen into the late teens, early twenties, and nobody expected it. Yeah, like. There, we're finding out the Patriots love Herbert on like two Mondays before the draft. Uh, okay, sure. Yeah, I bet they do. That's, that's something that Bill Belichick, uh, often lets happen is his true intentions for a prospect, uh, float out into a, a massive mainstream media article, uh, that literally everyone read and then people wrote blogs about. Like it definitely happens all the time. Okay. All right. Next pick. I yeah. got things to do. I'm, I'm getting word from the league office that uh, the NFL didn't decide to pay for the pro version of Zoom, so we're uh, we're running out of time here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, okay, do you want to? No, um... we're good. Let's just keep it going, and uh, we'll be a little bit quicker. With a 20th pick, the Jaguars and Ryan Wilson select Jeff Gladney, cornerback, TCU. Not going to take Justin Herbert had he been there. We were happy to get Gladney. He's a little undersized, but he's extremely physical, extremely fast. Uh, legit cover corner. He won't replace Jalen Ramsey by himself, but it'll help that defense get better with the addition of our number nine pick, Derek Brown. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Move it. Move it along. Uh, with the 24. Right, hey, by the way, Pete Prisco <laughs> gave that an A because it's, uh, the Jaguars. That was the other argument I had with Prisco. 
We're having like I I this is a sa- sorry I know we're derailing it. This is a savage murdering of Prisco on via text on Sunday morning where he was like like piping up about the Jags and how like Dave Caldwell hadn't done that bad a job. I was like Pete, he's forty games under five hundred as a general manager. The Jaguars could go undefeated for two <laughs> consecutive seasons and he would still be eight games under five hundred as a GM. Like Pete, shut your tan little cake hole. He sucks. He has done okay if you take out the quarterbacks. His 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 draft, yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh God. Yes. Then I was like going into Twitter and bringing up old Prisco Bortles tweets and just like bombing this thread. And Jamie was, Jamie was just watching it and cackling as I like just savagely destroyed him. See Pete stomping around his, uh, his, uh, penthouse there yelling at you via his wife. Um, all right. Get back up. Let's do it. Anyway, uh, the, um, the 21st and the, uh, most anticipated pick in the 2020 draft, the, the Super Bowl 52 champion Philadelphia Eagles and Josh Edwards select national champion Caleb on chase on edge LSU. Yeah. So for me, he was best player available, which is something that Howie, Howie Roseman is prone to do. Um, I think he can play the Sam in that defense. I also think that he could possibly be the replacement for Brandon Graham after next year, if that's the, the direction they decided to go in. So it's both a short-term and a long-term need for this position. At the same time, I also considered LSU long snapper Steve Wartell here, um, or actually LSU long snapper Blake Ferguson um, for Debo's Eagles. So uh, it, it was really tough, but at the end of the day, it came down to, to Chase on and uh, Ferguson. I bet I bet Debo has a preference among those long snappers too. So he would have loved one and hated the other. Can't replace uh, John Dorenboss. Um, with the uh, 22nd pick, the Vikings and R.J. White select A.J. Terrell, cornerback Clemson. Yeah, I was talking about how I think Terrell's going to go earlier than people think. Um, you know, he could be long gone by this point. The Raiders could take him with one of their picks, Niners, Falcons, if they don't trade up. Cowboys, I think, makes sense at 17. I think furthest he falls is probably 20. Um, I don't think he has as high as floor as the top two guys in this class, but he shines in the press. And uh, that press physicality makes him like Mike Hughes, a recent round one prospect in Minnesota. So I think he kind of fits what they want to do in Minnesota. We know that they need corners. They lost their top three corner, or three of their top four corners. Uh, this off season, so expect one of these first two picks, maybe even both of them, for the first two picks to be corners if you're the Vikings. So with the 23rd pick, the Patriots and Ryan Wilson finally select Jordan Love, quarterback, Utah State. So the Patriots actually traded down to 26 with their good buddy Brian Flores and the Dolphins just to give the Saints hope that they're going to get Jordan Love, but then they traded right back up. So it's like one trade, <laughs> they came back up. <laughs> Sean Payton was like, yes! He's like, what? What are they doing? Unbelievable. Just out of spite, we took Jordan Love. There's no way you're getting him New Orleans. You had to stick with Taysom Hill. Uh, I did think about, in hindsight, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I was like, you know what I was doing on Friday? I was playing tennis, and this is what got me messed up. Um, that was it. No, no, no. I... I was like, the 49ers, I was like, why can't I get anybody to trade with me? I should have just traded up as the Saints to get Jordan Love. That was the perfect spot to do it. And, uh, I regret, I regret not doing that. You know the great that. thing about you being GM of four teams, you're going to get fired by four teams. That's how terrible your draft has been. <laughs> Out there playing tennis and poker tournaments, everything but your job. Yeah, but we went to the Super Bowl last year, so suck it. Um, well, hired the other three Brinsons when they get fired then. <laughs> Four Brinsons in one front office. Good God. Uh, yeah, I, you love, I'm surprised you haven't put a bigger flag in the Jordan Hill. I mean, Jordan Love Hill. Yeah. It's like you, you like him a lot better than, uh, if you want to make Prisco angry, just say 
all you say about Jordan Lewis, oh, God, he reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. He gets very angry at that. He is not Patrick Mahomes, but he has those type of qualities in terms of the arm strength, the ability to move around the pocket. He takes chances. Um, you watch him play. He sort of moves like Jordan Love, uh, excuse me, um, Pat Mahomes. But yeah, there's no denying 2019 was terrible. He was much better in 2018. And I think the upside with Jordan Love is tenfold what you get with Justin Herbert for the reasons that Josh pointed out. He's been there for four years. He stayed at home. There are questions about uh, Justin Herbert's leadership. Um, I don't know if those are legit or not, but he told me straight, straight up. Yeah, that's what teams want to see from me, the senior bowl. So. And I think if you're the Chargers, that's why you go love over Herbert if you're going quarterback. I know you didn't do it in this mock, but you do it for the upside. Because if you're playing in a division with Patrick Mahomes, you got to reach as high upside as you possibly can at, at the quarterback position if you're going to compete with him. And Jordan Love isn't Patrick Mahomes, like you said. But if he ends up reaching his ceiling, he could be a difference maker at the quarterback position. And then you're competing for a division title every year with that guy. I don't think anybody thinks you're doing that with Herbert. Yeah, and I, I mean, I would even go so far as to say, you mentioned landing spots at the end of the first round for quarterbacks, RJ. Put Jordan Love on the Patriots or put Justin Herbert on the Patriots. I think you win more games three years from now with Jordan Love on the Patriots than you do with, with Justin Herbert. I agree. And that's because they're going to develop their quarterbacks well. We don't know how much development is there for, for Herbert, you know, what he could do, but that ceiling for Love is pretty high. So if they unlock some of that ceiling, then I would feel comfortable saying that too. Probably winning the division for the next 20 years at that point. Yeah. All right. Next up, those New Orleans Saints. Yeah, with that pick that you didn't trade, Will, you selected Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a guy that has had some instances where he sort of over-pursues a little bit. Uh, you can get him going the wrong way with some misdirection stuff in terms of uh, mixing him up, but it's a position of need uh, for the Saints. He is an excellent uh, sideline-to-sideline uh, linebacker, actually a good defensive player for Oklahoma, which has been rare over the past uh, many, many years. And uh, this, I think the Saints would be thrilled to get Jordan Love in, in a trade-up situation, but that this is perfectly fine sitting back here. And I think this is a spot where we're going to see uh, one to two linebackers, maybe three, come off the board. Just feels like a real uh, position of need for some of the squads on here. So uh, thrilled to get Kenneth Murray without moving at 24. All right, a couple picks after taking A.J. Terrell, R.J. White, and the Vikings with the 25th pick. Select Etor Gross-Matos, defensive end or edge, out of the Pennsylvania State University. Yeah, a lot of people assume receiver here to replace Diggs, but they can wait. It's a deep draft for receiver. I, I wouldn't mind some of these teams that everybody mocks receivers to, like the Eagles, waiting and getting one in, on day two because there's not going to be that much difference between the guys you get there as you do in day two. So we went Gross Matos. I mean, it seems like the perfect kind of Vikings pick. He has great traits. He's still getting better. Zimmer will help him reach his ceiling. It's another guy to pair with Daniel Hunter now that Griffin's gone. I uh, would have explored a trade down if he wasn't here, but because he's here, I think you make this pick, then you go get receiver a little bit later in the draft. I mean, Diggs and Thielen weren't premier draft picks anyway. It's not like they invest highly in this position to get impact players. They're able to get guys later and develop them into good players. So I think we should expect that in this draft too. And they focus on another higher position in need where you're not going to find as good players later in the draft in the first round. With the 26th pick, the Dolphins and Josh Edwards select Patrick Queen, linebacker, LSU. He was the best player available to me. I think he's an, an immediate large upgrade over Vince Beagle inside. Um, I love Jerome Baker. I think he's capable of covering sideline to sideline. But now you have two kind of smaller linebackers that are that are capable of doing so. So it allows you to be more versatile with your team. It allows you to cover 
sideline to sideline, every single blade of grass. Um, they're going to be a fast defense, and they're going to get after the quarterback. So uh, for me, he was the best player available, and it was a pretty easy pick. Hey, Debo. Yeah. Just so you know, buddy, I haven't been ignoring your Slack messages. I forgot to sign in, so I haven't seen any of them. He's been Debo's been slacking me with zero response for like thirty <laughs> minutes. I think. Sorry, my apologies. Uh, well, Will, but, here is your final pick of the draft with the twenty seventh overall pick. The Seahawks and Will Brinson select Marlon Davidson, defensive lineman, Auburn. Yeah, this was um, a weird pick. I, I I hate having to mock the Seahawks because I know you're going to be wrong. Like, you know, whatever person you put in for the Seahawks is not going to be the person that they take. They just, they either trade out or they've done a ton under John Schneider or they do some random ass move and take like Rashad Penny or Kayla Vaughn, uh, no, excuse me, or, uh, uh, LJ Collier. Like it's, it, they just do random stuff with their first round pick. So I actually, uh, picked two random names off a uh, top prospect list and flipped a coin and Marlon Davidson was the first guy that came out. And right. in your job interview, when you're interviewing GM jobs after you get fired from this one, and we didn't have we didn't have anybody assigned to the teams that weren't in the first round. But I contacted Brinson uh, after the 25th pick, and I said, "Hey, if uh, the guy that they want is available, the Rams would like to trade their two second round picks to get up to this spot for a yeah. guy." That's and a that was Patrick Queen, and he went off the board the next pick. So, so that uh, blew up in our faces. Um, I think the Rams, now that they have those two picks, could get into this range for an impact linebacker, get over the Ravens if he's there. I expect those two linebackers, Queen and Murray, might go a little bit earlier than we have, though, just because they're, they're kind of head and shoulders above the next guys. And I think anybody in the 15 to 24 range could, could be looking at them. Well, another linebacker edge guy with a 28th pick, the Ravens and Ryan Wilson select Zach Bond from Wisconsin. Yeah, at RJ's point, we, the Ravens would have loved to have had Queen or Murray there. Both are gone. So we go Zach Bond, edge rusher. He's a little undersized, um, but he made it clear he wants to play on the edge. So if you do that with him, you have someone to pair with Matt Judon, who's on that franchise deal, or kick him inside a little bit uh, early in the downs and have him be a situational pass rusher. His athleticism off the charts, he played really well at Wisconsin, and he flashed a lot, as the folks like to say. But um, we don't get Queen or Murray. We're not taking a receiver here. We're taking Zach Bond. And I think that versatility plays up for the the Ravens. They do a lot of different things with guys on defense. You get Bond, he could do a couple different things. Maybe you circle back in the second round, you get one of those safety linebacker types, a Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, those kind of guys that you expect can do some different things, line them up in different places. Then you have a lot of options on the table if you're the Ravens to replace what you lost this offseason. With the 29th pick, another LSU player off the board, the Titans and R.J. RJ White select uh, Christian Fulton who, uh, just a note, will be on the podcast later this week. We mentioned a lot of prospect interviews coming. Christian Bolton, along with a couple other first-round prospects, will be one of them. By the uh, way, if you hear these prospect interviews, I think Wilson's going to do them. This is not – this is me saying, deciding for the best of the podcast. We need more Wilson. We need this smart draft guy to do it. I'm not ceding any power to Ryan Wilson. I know someone will make that joke. It's not happening. Two things. Um, you probably have a tennis appointment you don't want to miss. And number two, it's also true. Uh, I think RJ, your new hip hop name should be RJ Wack. <laughs> as, <laughs> as Devo refers to you. I like that. Yeah, we know that, uh, anybody choosing their own name in hip hop would want to <laughs> have the name Wack as part of it. <laughs> DJ Wack. 
It's not the worst thing you could do. Uh, so we went Fulton. We're worried about some of the off-field stuff. He, he missed a season with suspension, but it feels like a good value here. Good size, ability to start on the outside. Having Bayard in center field helps cover his deficiencies, which is, you know, staying with guys deep. Uh, when you have a great free safety, I think that takes away some of that. So Titans should be looking corner. They have surprisingly a lot of needs. They had lost some players this offseason. Uh, so they could go here. They could go a defensive line. They could go a few other places. Um, but, uh, Fulton would be a solid value pick here. With the 30th pick, the Packers and Josh Edwards select Brandon Ayuk, wide receiver, Arizona State. Yeah, so this is an explosive player. We saw in Keel Harry out of Arizona State a year ago go in the first round. I think Brandon Ayuk is a much better player at this stage. Um, we know where Aaron Rodgers is at this point in his career. You need to put weapons around him. It's way too early to take a tight end. Brandon Ayuk, for me, was the best wide receiver on the board. I feel pretty confident putting him out there against Devontae Adams next season. And we have our final trade. It's been a little while since the trade. Brinson hasn't had a pick, so hasn't had the opportunity to trade. But he does here. The 49ers were slated to select at number 31. But the Giants and R.J. White were whack are back into the first round, uh, sending 36 and 99 to the 49ers for 31. And with that 31st pick, they select Cesar Ruiz, center from Michigan. Yeah, it's a tiny bit of an overpay, but after turning 110 into 70 earlier, we still come out ahead. You know, now that we're picking 70th instead of 99th, I think we're fine. I don't think he's going to be there at 36 with KC next. Miami could also trade up. They have all the capital in the world to get up and get a guy that they need. He's scheme versatile. He can hold his own with the quality guards next to him in New York. I think the Giants might actually think center is a bigger need than right tackle, based Based on some of the uh, the quotes that have come out over the last week or so, um, so there's urgency to make a move here to get him. Obviously, you're not going to take him up there at four, uh, but they could even go, you know, Simmons at four and then not circle back and get a tackle at with their their day two pick or trade up here. Instead, go with a guy like Ruiz at center, and he kind of slides right in, and he's your center for the next ten years. The only thing I can hear in my head right now is crisscross saying "wiggity wiggity whack." So a little bit of insight uh, to redirect from that. Um, a little bit of insight. As the Miami general manager, I was actually about to hit up Branson and be like, I am very, very interested in the number 31 overall pick. I'm going to try to move up. This deal happened very quickly. I didn't even get a chance to make a call. I was going to take Cesar Ruiz. So RJ was in the frame of mind. He moved up. He got his player. I was asleep of the wheel. I'm probably getting fired, but that's that's where we are. Uh, no, this was, uh, RJ knew I was trying, I was like, try, I knew I was trying to trade down and he had a deal in place. In fact, RJ, R, like, I, like when I sent that email that was like, Hey, I'm trying to move down. RJ was like, no, I own the pick already. The trade has happened. Yeah. We, we, we talked earlier in chat about that offer and said, if the guy wants there and you said, yep, we'll, we'll do it if you want to do it. So soon as Ayuk was the pick and, and I started typing it in, um, I already had Wilson's pick in the, in the, in hand because he sent me an email earlier. I was ready to get this draft over because I think we were going on 72 hours at this point. So just wanted to button it up and, and be done with it. All right. And so we'll let's, uh, let's, find, let's wrap it up at the final pick. Say, we'll do that here with the final and 32nd pick in the first round of the 2020 pick six live virtual mock draft. The Chiefs and Ryan Wilson select Trayvon Diggs, cornerback from Alabama. So as uh, RJ mentioned, I emailed him to say I would like to have Cesar Ruiz at 32, and he emailed back, you're not getting him because I'm taking him at 31. So uh, <laughs> I had to settle on Trevon Diggs, and I don't – settle might be the wrong word. He's big, strong, questions about his deep speed, but he's a former wide receiver, and we know that uh, his brother Stephon Diggs, so he, he's a uh, type of physical playmaking receiver down the field that, that you want, and, and the Chiefs could have one more – 
um, weapon in, in that defense that got better as the season progressed last year. And uh, I know Breland's coming back, but they like big cornerbacks. And I think Trevon Diggs uh, makes a lot of sense there. All right. Uh, that's the, uh, that's the mock draft. That show was long. That was really, <laughs> I mean, I don't want to tell you, I think there were some good tangents, some, um, some good discussion about, uh, Tua, about trades, Justin Herbert, Jordan Love. I feel like we got a real nice, meaty mock draft, a great way to close up the season. Some would call it robust and, uh, excellent work. Anything we want to add before we get out of here? It's been a pleasure being on Mock Draft Monday. It's, uh, it's another. It's a busy season for all of us, especially Ryan. But uh, it's always fun to get through. And with the finish line just a few days away, you know, can't wait to to ha- get into May and have absolutely nothing to talk about. So, uh, or since there aren't any sports, we'll just keep talking about draft grades for a month and a half. You're not. Ryan thinks his job's about to get easier. I don't think so, pal. You're going to be talking on HQ for the next. Talking, uh, we'll talk 2021 mock draft next week when those come out. That's right. Uh, and then tomorrow, Super Friends back. Bold draft predictions. I believe John Breach will be on, Tivo. Should be. Breach is back. Baby Breach. He's at the house. Everything's going well with him. So we will be excited to talk to John Breach. Haven't talked to him in a while. Thank you guys as always for doing this. It's been a blast. Um, we'll talk soon. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.